Hello and welcome to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Welcome back to the Pack Mag Parents Podcast. I'm Bree James, and on today's episode, I welcome back Ro Murray onto our podcast, which is very exciting. Today, we're going to chat about the body changes our teens will go through and how we can, as parents, help them through this challenging and changing time. Because let's face it, the teen years are a period, pardon the pun, of major change emotionally, hormonally, and physically. And these changes impact everyone in the family, not just the teen that's happening to. And the great news is that understanding what's going on gives parents the tools to help everyone cope. So let's get Ro Murray on Zoom to chat about how we can prepare our teen for this change whilst promoting a positive environment for them to thrive in. It's time to get to class. So tell me, Ro, what body changes can you expect with your teenager? Obviously, you know, there's a few bits of hair and a few other bits and pieces, but what else? (laughs) Definitely. Like going through puberty for both boys and girls generally takes around four years and it can start um, anywhere from the ages of eight to 12. So there's there's quite a big window there. and And it's not all sort of sexual and down in the trouser department changes either. So you're going to have... um, they're going to get taller. Their feet are going to get bigger. This is going to be so traumatic for the parents' hip wallet in terms of shoes and uh, <laughs> shoes, sneakers and school uniforms. So you're going to see all of that happening. Um, you're definitely going to see um, pubic hair. Um, that's, going to, that's going to be one of the first signs, actually. Um, pubic hair, underarm hair, leg hair, butt crack hair, all of that kind of stuff is going to happen. Um, Great. You're really selling it to me. I know. It's like there's no escape. The one thing we spend half our lives manicuring is the, the thing that comes in, spoil all the fun first. So, <laughs> um, and definitely skin and hair will also get oilier. Um, things like, you know, spots, acne, needing to wash their hair more often, even changing um, shampoo products and hair products and also acne can develop as well. So um, that's all stuff that's going to come around. So don't be frightened, parents, if the your kids have been using the same shampoo for a decade and then all of a sudden they look like they've been dragged sideways through a hedge. That is r- literally just a time to try a few different brands. <laughs> Um, and often um, some of the adult, really common adult ailments, so to speak, like dandruff, that tends to make itself present during puberty. So, um, And even things like body odour, BO, um, will often start to really step up during puberty. So even if your kids never had to use any kind of perfume, deodorant, antiperspirant before, they actually will start um, needing to use these products um, to maintain, you know, a nice fragrance. So, you know, don't be frightened if you're um, tween or, you know, he starts going, oh, you know, mum, dad, can can I try this, you know, Lynx axe? <laughs> Or, you know, um, get stuck into the deodorant. All of that stuff is going to happen. But you're definitely going to see the genitalia changes. So with girls, their nipples are likely to get swollen and feel tender, which is the start of breast development. Um, That's one of the early things that happens as well. Um, You know, the hips, bottoms and thighs will round out um, and um, they'll, you know, start to feel 
obviously with the periods coming in, that's a really big change. And I think we're going to talk about that in a bit more detail later in the podcast. But also for boys, um, you know, their genitalia is going to get larger. Um, they're going to be noticing their erections more often. Um, sperm production can start anywhere from the ages of 10 to 12, sometimes even eight. So um, be prepared. Eight is a really good age to be across all of the puberty changes and your kid to actually understand what's looming because it often starts that early. So, and if it doesn't start with them that early, it will be starting with their friends. So um, you want your kids to understand it so that they're not teasing or, um, you know, confused by it. Because what what um, age, so you're saying from eight years old, we should be preparing them. What can we do to prepare them? Because obviously the schools do a pretty good job. I know my 11-year-old boy noticed some hair and told me he was going through puberty himself. So he sort of knows a bit about it, which is really cool. Um, but if the schools aren't doing such a great job, and it's, you know, obviously the job of parents were their first, first educators, how can we talk to our children and when should we start preparing them for this change? Yeah, you've really hit the nail on the head because some schools do a brilliant job um, and the parents left going, okay, then if you, if you need to ask me anything, go for it. But, you, you know, you've got it on lock. But yeah, um, they, on me. I had it all ready to go. It's pretty <laughs> devastating. Oh, I know. Um, but, you know. Oh, I'm actually grateful. Very grateful. <laughs> very, very grateful. Oh, I bet you are. Um, but there's no uh, consistent um, sex education um, or, you know, hygiene education program nationally, let alone statewide, let alone between private and public schools. So there's no guarantees that your school is going to do a great job at it. And um, there is always um, definitely not to pick on any particular demographic, but often church or religion-based schools have a different take on uh, sex education as well. And that's just something parents just inform yourselves on what that is likely to be and work around it. So um, I definitely recommend having those chats. Um, there's lots of great tactics parents can use. So start early um, and make it not weird. Don't, um, if you can avoid feeling nervous about it, be confident. Um, and I think a really key thing is to do small chunks. Um, that kids, particularly, you know, under the ages of 14 and 15, they are really only going to remember one or two things out of a conversation. Um, and that even goes for adults. Sometimes they can only remember four or five. So at, try to answer just one question and leave it at that or bring up one topic and, and leave it at that. Um, another really great thing is to let the child initiate the conversation where possible. So, you know, you might be kicking around the kitchen doing homework and they might just make a passing comment about, one of their colleagues, uh, sorry, one of their fellow students, one of their friends or an older sibling, that's a great opportunity to pick up on that and say, well, actually, I'm, I'm keen to have a chat to you about that. How do you feel about this happening at this coming? Um, and it can be very awkward for kids um, if parents sit them down and make a big deal out of the talk and they're not going to take anything away, they're probably going to be mortified. So um, definitely recommend lots and lots of small chunks, make it not feel weird. And a really good thing for parents to understand is you've still got a right to privacy. Um, if kids are a bit curious and they say, well, mum, how about you and dad and this or any, any of that kind of thing, you're actually quite entitled to say, well, that's our private business, but I'm very happy to talk about sex education topic one, two, three, 
in a, in a slightly different context. And the same way that, um, you know, this is puberty is an age where your kids will start to define their own privacy as well. They might not want to come running down the hallway going, Mom, I just got my first period. And they might not take kindly to parents telling every aunt, uncle, cousin and sibling under the sun either. So um, pr the privacy conversations are really good ones to have as well. Yeah, it's a really great point. So you just touched on periods again. I know mm. I'm a mother of boys, but it's a conversation that we need to be having a discussion with girls and boys. Um, how can we discuss it? Because obviously I've just had to address it when they've asked me and I probably went too far, but they are. So I told them. So I don't know. <laughs> right, I don't know. I was scarred them. But, you know, I was de definitely intent on my boys understanding that girls in their grade would be having this sort of thing and that they need to be understanding of that but I don't know did I do the right thing <laughs> yeah you actually have absolutely done the right thing because um it's one thing to say okay I've I've got a daughter I've got a you know child I need to tell her exactly what's coming so that she'll be equipped for it and knows how to handle it but also you don't want young girls being bullied by boys um, who don't understand it or, or don't know what to say. Um, you know, I certainly know, um, you know, back, back when I got my first period and I had, it was literally my very first packet of, um, you know, tampons in my bedside table and I was like, so proud. And then my brother, who was two years younger, found them and came running down the hallway with every single one of them unraveled with the string out and treating them like party sparklers. And that was completely mortifying for 12-year-old me. Um, so it is, and he had no idea what they even were. So he had no concept that he was doing something that might embarrass me or anything like that he literally didn't know what they were so um the grocery aisle um going to the supermarket walking through the toiletry area where there's an absolute pile of pads and tampons that can actually be a really great starting point to say you know do you know what those are well let's have a chat about them when we get home um and they'll be curious the whole ride home and then you can just say hey they're tampons they're pads this is what they're for and I just want you to be aware because this is something that, um, you know, girls in your classroom are going to start experiencing or what have you. So there's lots of cues and you can you don't even need to do that in the grocery aisle. You can do that at home and say, you know, this is what I use if, if you wanted to do that or if they, you know, see it in the bathroom cabinet. So I think the main thing is normalising it as much as possible, you know. Half of the population experiences this. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty normal, but it is such a taboo subject. So I, I, I um, I'm glad I did the right thing with that. <laughs> they are very curious. Like, mom, what is that tampon thing? What is that? So anyway, I used a cup the other week. That was interesting for them to find that one. So yeah, absolutely. Keep <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. educating them, right? Anyway. Oh, absolutely. And the hygiene piece with, with periods as well, you know, no one wants a UTI and it's often, you know, tampon and pad use and stuff that gives young girls their first urinary tract infection, which are painful and horrible. Um, so, you know, the hygiene piece, washing your hands, you know, keeping your cups clean, all of that kind of stuff. It's all really important. So how do we, because we're talking a lot here about, you know, that we need to be more positive about it and having that environment of positivity. So how do we promote that, though, with our teenagers as they're going through these, t these stages? Because they can be quite emotional um, or they go through angry phases. Um, and if yeah. they come a little bit earlier or later than their friends, I know I was uh, 15, no boobs. That was quite, you know, a lot of teasing on my uh, that I got from the boys at school. So um, how do we promote it in a positive way and teach them that, you know, children do develop different ages and stages 
I think um, it, it is a really tough one. And I think one of the best things parents can understand is to not be too hard on themselves because no matter how much you try to promote an open, communicative, positive environment, there's still going to be blow-ups and they're still going to feel like the most misunderstood human that has ever lived and no one has ever understood what they're going through. That It's going to happen. Um, so because teenagers, when they go through things, you know, for the first time or they're feeling things, they do tend to internalise a lot and they often aren't even looking outside and thinking, oh, hey, half of my class is going through this or all of my friends are going through this or my mum or my dad went through this as well. They just don't tend to think like that. They're thinking about how they're feeling and no one else. So parents, be kind to yourselves because there are going to be blow-ups that are just going to happen um, and, and they're never going to, they're, they're going to have to learn the hard way some of these things They'll, with a bit of maturity and a bit of experience that comes. I think one of the really key things parents can do is to, um, bring in the control and restraint that comes with being, you know, a, a grown adult with experience. And if your teenager is having a bit of a teen tantrum or, you know, saying you, you're not going to understand this or get confrontational or pick fights, is to take that deep breath and say, what you've just said to me is, you know, inappropriate, revolting, you know, whatever that might be. But I can see you going through some pain here. Let's, you know, have a cup of tea and then calm down and then let's actually have a conversation about it. Um, particularly if, if teenagers come in and it's something, you know, they've just had sex for the first time or they've been caught by the police drinking alcohol, you know, behind the shelter sheds at school for the first time it's really easy for parents to respond viscerally and it's very natural to do that. But it also um, responding in a neg negative way does, it sort of reinforces teenagers, well, I can't go to my parents for that. So if, if parents can really take that deep breath, even when things are thrown at them and make it clear that you can always ask and you can always come to me, you might be being a, a right, you know, <laughs> today, but you can still come and talk to me about this, even though we're not very happy with each other. I think that's a really, really important thing so that the, the teenagers always have that confidence that no matter what, they can. So I love that. Um, what are other resources? Is there anything else that you can recommend for parents for more information that are looking for a little bit of help and advice on this? pubescent time of life? <laughs> Most definitely. Um, there, there is some really good stuff out there, which, which is fantastic. And a, a lot of us, particularly who grew up in the age before internet and, you know, were slipped a copy of Where Did I Come From on the bedside table or under the pillow, that's actually not a bad strategy. Um, doing the stealthy book delivery or you know, USB stick with a, a sex ed training course, you know, digital one on it is actually a really great way for your um, teenager or your child to take that information, read it at their own pace when they're ready to read it or, or look at it and ask questions when they feel comfortable with it. So it takes a lot of awkwardness out of it. So um, Kaz Cook does an absolutely fantastic series of books um, and I recommend that parents can start with like girl stuff, 8 to 12. It's, um, it's cute, it's funny. It's very highly researched. She's done it in conjunction with some great research bodies and hospitals. It's really credible and it's full of Cas Cook cartoons. So it's um, totally age appropriate and it's a great way for parents to go, hey, have fun, read this. It's like a comic 
and then you come to me with any questions that you have. It's it's a really fantastic one. Um, my book, For Fox's Sake, um, fills in a lot of gaps um, for a slightly older teen audience who are a bit more digitally savvy and are on YouTube and potentially even Pornhub and other online sources. Um, my, my book, For Fox's Sake, is very much about digital literacy, um, the emotional side of it as well as the physical side size of it. Because one of the things that parents often forget, you know, it's, it's going back a while now, but over 100 million hard copies of Fifty Shades of Grey are sitting on household shelves around the world. And there is a very good chance a 10 or 12-year-old at some point has picked that up and had a bit of a flick through. So kids are vastly more aware than they have ever been in history about the sex world um, but a lot of it is stylized movie like dramatized inaccurate all that kind of thing so it's kind of taken the luxury away from parents to ease back on it parents really do have to play a role so for fox's sake is a good one for the more complex um, issues. Uh, the Period book by Karen Gravel is a really good one. Um, the Changes Kit for Girls, which is available on Amazon, that actually um, has everything from, you know, buckets of glitter to little month long. Um, they can write little diaries, they can plan their cycle, all of that kind of stuff, which is really cute. And Ask Me Anything by Rebecca Sparrow. Um, she's an Australian writer and she's written a really great book, which is all of the terrifying questions that, you know, teenagers want to know and parents don't want to answer, Ask Me Anything is a really great resource. So there's some terrific stuff out there and sensible YouTubing as well is, is really worth doing. If you can say to your, um, you know, tweens or kids saying, look, here are three YouTube channels that I'm comfortable with you getting some sex education from and reviewing it all first and making sure it's right for them is a great way to go rather than just hopping on YouTube and going sex education because, oof, there's a lot out there. <laughs> that can certainly be dangerous. Can. I <laughs> oh, love it. So much great advice for parents that are having their children go through those body changes. Bro Murray, thank you so much for your amazing insights as always. I didn't cut you off. Is there anything else you wanted to share with everybody? No, I just wanted to say um, to all of the parents of teenagers, good luck, but you will get through it. Everyone does survive it. And, um, you know, hopefully with not a lot of mishaps. <laughs> I love it. Rome Murray for foxessake.com.au. Thanks so much for being on the show again today. Thanks for having me. If you're loving the Pack Mag Parenting Podcast, then you'll love our other channels. Follow Pack Mag on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. It's a wrap. What did we learn on today's show? So what did we learn on today's show? Well, firstly, is that your child can go through puberty from the age of 8 to 12 years of age, and this process can last for up to four years. So hold on if you're in that, uh, that area. You've got four years to go through once it starts. Now, one of the first signs your child will have when they hit puberty will be pubic hair, underarm hair, and leg hair, and your tween will also start to get oily skin and hair. So this is where their best friend, acne, will start to make an appearance. Uh, and it's a really good idea to introduce a new shampoo for them then, so as Ro was saying, as they need to be washing their hair more often to fight the oiliness. The other things that Ro mentioned were their height. Your child will have a growth spurt and gradually get taller. And with height also comes larger feet. So don't be surprised if they change their shoe size three times in one year. 
Um, now, another thing she mentioned was when chatting to your child about puberty, it's really important that you're confident about it and chat in small chunks and not overwhelm them, okay? Answer what they what they ask, leave it at the one question, if that's the only question they've got, and leave it at that. Because uh, as she said, it's really important to remember that we can have you know, privacy on topics too. For example, if your child asks more personal question in regulation to you and your partner, you do have the choice not to go into that rabbit hole. Um, it's up to you. Now, the other thing she said was no matter if we have a son or a daughter, it's really important they're aware of periods and the use of pads and tampons. Um, And lastly, her last big tip was to remind them that even though they may think they are the only one going through this transition in their life, all of their friends and classmates are too. So they're not alone and it's okay to ask questions if they're unsure. Well, that's the end of another episode of the Pack Bag Parents podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Remember, every uh, important link can be found in the show notes, including uh, how to get in contact with Ro Murray if you've got more uh, more questions for her. But a big thank you to Ro for being on the show today. It was wonderful to catch up again. Until next time, parents, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on Pack Mag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.